Uh, I love you. Open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11. And it'll be on the screen, too. Um, So Paul writes, in view of this, which we'll look at this in a second. In view of this, we always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling and by his power fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you be glorified by him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus. May our Lord Jesus himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope. Good hope. I just hope. Like good hope. Good hope. By grace, encourage your hearts, uh, strengthen you in every good work and, and every good word. This is God's word. So, um, for the month of January, we're working through several of Paul's prayers um, in, the, in the, his letters for two reasons. And the first reason is that we need God's spirit and we need God's grace to walk out our calling as individuals and as, as a church. Okay, We need the spirit of God, we need the grace of God uh, to be faithful in worship and discipleship and evangelism. Okay, You do not do those things uh, in your own power and in your own strength. And God's ordained means of receiving grace and receiving the spirit is prayer. Okay, like this is the mechanism that God has set up for how um, this works. That's first. And then second, we're doing this so we learn the language of of how the apostles pray and, and what they think is important. Right. You pray for the things that matter most. And so all of their prayers have a certain flavor to them. And we want those. We want that same flavor in our prayers. And then we want the same lifestyle as them. Right. We want to live uh, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate the Messiahs, and that would include his prayers. We want to pray um, as they pray. So for last week, this week, next week, we're working through their prayers. Last week, we did a prayer from 1 Thessalonians, and today we're looking at his prayer in 2 Thessalonians, which begins with, in view of this, we always pray for you. So writing to this crew here, we always pray for you that God will make you worthy of his calling. So in view of something... Paul wants them to live worthy lives that they've been um, called to. Okay, so in view of in view of what um, it's the day of the Lord. Okay, in view of the day of the Lord, you guys live according to what you've been called to. So Paul's prayer that you guys would live worthy lives uh, in front of it and 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 after it is descriptions of just common at the time um, Jewish view of of the end, how things get fixed. After what went wrong in in the garden, which culminates in the day of the Lord. So 2 Thessalonians 1, in view of all of this that I've just said, to the church of the Thessalonians, grace to you and peace. We always thank God for you. And rightly so, since your faith, your, your trust in the cross unto eternal life, your faith is flourishing You're trusting in the cross more. You're believing in the hope more. Your faith is flourishing. And the love each one of you has for each other is increasing. Okay? So if you remember the prayer from last week, what did Paul pray? I pray that your guys' love for each other would increase in the same way that we love you. So what something happened between the first letter and the second letter where Paul's prayer got answered. Right? 
It's cool to pray. It's cool when prayers get answered. Paul prayed. You guys should love each other more. Ah, now they love each other more. Okay, so verse 4. Therefore, we ourselves, the apostles, we boast about you guys among God's other churches, about your perseverance and your faith and all the persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. So the apostles are going around to their different um, congregations and they're telling these other churches that, hey, this church in Thessalonica, they're living out their, their faith, right? They're walking the narrow path that Jesus called us to at great cost. That's what they're telling the other churches. And that encourages you. You know what I mean? Like if you, we have a missionary from a hard and dark place come in and they tell us that the church is uh, following Jesus even when it's hard and dark. What does that do for our hearts? We're like, yeah, I want to do that. Here, right? Like, so this is this just normal discipleship. What's happening? And if their faith is is growing and maturing in the midst of affliction and hardship, there's a future reward for enduring persecution and enduring affliction in faith. Verse five. It so your persecutions and afflictions on behalf of the cross. That is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment on the day of judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you are also suffering. So Paul's saying that the day of judgment will come, okay, and your perseverance and your faith in affliction and hardship and suffering and trial will count you among those who are raised in glory, right? Your affliction leads to glory and you'll actually inherit eternal life. Like this is what he's, he's telling him and that, that, you know, Romans 8, these present sufferings are producing for you an eternal weight of glory. Verse 6, since it is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us, right? Which is just the basic function of the day of the Lord. Like this is what's happening. The Messiah's coming his return spells punishment for the wicked right both the wicked in general but also the wicked in this context who are afflicting them and chapter 2 of Thessalonians the, the man of lawlessness who exalts himself against the Lord judgment them for them so second Thessalonians 2 8 the Lord Jesus when he comes will destroy him with the breath of his mouth and will bring him to nothing at the appearance of his coming So on this day, he's going to repay with affliction those who are afflicting you and the judgment of the wicked brings relief to the righteous, right? This is this is just basic. The human heart understands this, right? When LeBron is eliminated from the playoffs, everyone rejoices, right? Wicked. You know what I mean? Like you you feel it like that's a little tiny example, but you feel it when the bad guy gets judged and loses the righteous Rejoice, right? It's the same thing here. These wicked who are afflicting you, this man of of lawlessness, whatever's going on there, when he's judged at the appearance of the Messiah's coming, you guys are granted relief and and you rejoice. So this is why the righteous say, well, Maranatha, come Lord. We want relief from our affliction, okay? And so when will this happen? When do the saints receive their promised reward? Uh, And when will the lawless one and those who have joined in his rebellion be punished? Next verse. This, okay, just common Jewish eschatology will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus, right? Other translations, when he is revealed, when he appears, when he comes from heaven with his powerful angels, and when he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. 
That is just like raw Paul, right? That's just like, Paul, what do you think about things? Angels, fire, vengeance. Like, like he, he's not being flowery here. This is just all coming out here. This is Paul without coffee, okay? He's just bringing the, the heat, okay? Those who don't obey the gospel, those who afflict you, the, he's going to come with angels and fire, Afflict, punish them, bring you relief. Verse 9, such people will pay the penalty, those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, utter disaster in the coming age, right? Gehenna, lake of fire, away from the presence of the Lord and from his glorious power. Verse 10, when? When does this happen? When he comes back to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at in the midst of all those who have believed, which includes you, which includes you, Thessalonians, since you believe what we saw with our own eyes and proclaim to you. And what did the apostles see? They followed this guy for three years. They saw him predict his death and his resurrection. They saw him die. They saw his resurrection. They talked with him for 40 days about the kingdom of God. He ascended into the heavens, gave them the spirit, and they bore witness to what they had seen and heard and what he told them. And they went and proclaimed, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of judgment is coming. The resurrection of the dead is coming. And you can inherit it and receive the forgiveness of your sins only one way through trust in this cross. This is what they said. And this is what they're saying to the Thessalonians. And the Thessalonians believed it. And therefore, on the day when he comes back, when he returns, they will be granted relief. Raised from the dead to inherit eternal life. Simple, basic Jewish timeline. And so then the prayer, verse 11, in view of all this, in view of everything I've just said, we always pray for you. That God would make you worthy of his calling, okay? So in view of a coming lawless one, rebellion, suffering, affliction, angels, fire, vengeance, sweet relief, and glory. In view of all that, we pray that God would make you worthy of your calling. And so what is their calling? What does Paul have in mind here? Well, last week's passage, we saw that God is calling them into the messianic kingdom, into the resurrection, into the glory of the age to come. So back to 1 Thessalonians 2. Paul said, we encouraged you, uh, implored each one of you to walk worthy of God who calls you into what? His own kingdom and, and glory. And again, glory, catchphrase, resurrection, age to come. So if they're calling, right, and, and Thessalonians and you, Tonkawanians, whatever you are called, if their calling is, is the kingdom, it calls you into his own kingdom and glory, then to walk Worthy of that kingdom means to live now, okay, and on January 21st, 2023, behave now, live now in a manner that accords with the kingdom, okay? Walk now how it will be then, okay? So the Paul's baseline here is that there is a, a standard of behavior, a standard of, of, of living, a standard of lifestyle that will mark the age to come, Okay? Like there's a way things are in the kingdom of God that, that how things will be. So Paul prays, walk worthy of it now. Okay? Don't wait for the age to come to start walking worthy of it. Walk according to that pattern now. And he's already laid out like practically what it looks like in the first letter. Okay? What it means to walk worthy and walk according to that. So 1 Thessalonians 4 in the first letter, he says, and just... I've been I've been reading um, First and Second Corinthians at night to try to go to sleep. Okay, 
which it will do it. Okay. And um, it, all these letters would be so helpful if we had the other letters, right? We're reading one side of an email chain here, trying to figure out what, you know. Anyway, Thessalonians is the same way. Like, what's going on? What are they writing to him? Anyway, First Thessalonians 4, or the first letter, he says, We ask and we encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction from us, from the apostles, and what's the instruction that apostles are giving churches, okay? What are the apostles emphasizing in their ministry? Is it is it systematic theology? Does Paul show up to all these different churches with a big book with lots of terms and definitions and, and lots of isms in them? No, no, okay? You receive instruction from us on how you should live, Right? How, how you should live and please God, okay? And so, like Paul, and, and I, I want the same thing. I want, God wants us to be grounded in truth, absolutely, okay? Like, I, I'm not dismissing theology and isms and all the stuff, but having your theological I's dotted and T's crossed matters very little. It matters not at all if you don't walk it out in truth. So when the apostles come to congregations, they're giving them instruction how you should live, right? Which is what Jesus does. Like, hey, love your neighbor. Pray for those who persecute. You know, there's theology grounding those things, but they're like, how you should live. Especially when Paul's, you know, ministering to mostly Gentile congregations who have no idea how to live. They're the pagans. They don't know. So Paul's teaching them how you should live as you are doing, right? He came. They heard the gospel. It came not just in word, but in power. And they're starting to walk it out as you are doing. Do this even more. Verse 2. For you know what commands we gave you about how to live worthy of your calling. You know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is God's will. So now he's going he's gonna to break down what does it mean to live according to your calling. And walk worthy of, of what you've been called to. For this is God's will. Your sanctification. Okay, so we're going to be doing some praying uh, in that 24-hour room uh, this weekend. And you're going to pray, God, what's your will for my life? And I'm just going to hand you 1 Thessalonians 4. (laughs) Your sanctification. This is God's will for your life, and particularly here, that you keep away from sexual immorality. Okay, because there's no sexual immorality in the age to come, right? So don't walk in it now. Walk according to your calling Keep away from sexual morality. Don't engage in it now. Don't watch it now. Don't read it now. Keep away from it. That each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. Right? Because in the age to come, is your body going to be controlled? Are you going to say, I don't want to sin, and your spirit is going to go, I'm not going to sin. Right? The age to come, walk according to your calling, not like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means that one must not transgress against or take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner. In what manner? What's he talking about here? Sexual immorality. Don't hurt each other with sex, right? Don't don't transgress one another in this way. So to, to sleep with someone who's not your spouse, that's a transgression, Okay. 
to engage in, in digital or actual prostitution is to take advantage of that person's station in life that led them there. Okay, that was a huge uh, boost in, in me getting free from that is that that's an actual person whose whose uh, life has taken a turn that the only way they think they can make ends meet is by doing this. And the, the girl on that screen is someone's daughter. OK, and she's been abused more times than you can imagine before the camera ever turned on. That's to transgress against another human being, an image bearer in God's name. Okay, so sexual immorality, it's not just a vertical thing that you're offending God. It's a transgression against another person where real people's lives are actually damaged. Okay, and Paul says, don't give yourself to transgressing a brother or sister or God in this way. Okay, so it messes up. Your relationship with God, it damages and hurts the other person and your present or your future spouse is damaged because now you're sexually retarded and you bring this into the home. And like, guys, we know all of this. We know all of this. But Paul's point is, I'm praying that you walk according to your calling. And your calling is an age where there's not sexual immorality. So don't walk in it now. This is the prayer. So Paul teaches and he prays that they would walk. Not according to this age, right? Because what marks this age? Okay, in Paul's day and in our day, sexual morality. Okay, this, this is not funny, but it is funny. Just the amount of, uh, like obviously our, our culture is just like, you cannot get away from sexual images. The ancient world's the same way, but it was all sculptures. Every building you walk in, it's like, there's another wiener. Like, not kidding. Not like Ephesus is just the land of wieners. And our culture is this, I mean, our, you know, it's like it hasn't changed. Culture has not changed. So Paul's instruction to them is to flee from it, keep away from it, walk according to what you've been called to, okay? An age where there's not sexual immorality. And then to drive the point home, right? To like say, hey, here's one reason you shouldn't walk in this and then give the big one to keep away from it is because the Lord. On his day with angels and fire, right? Because the Lord is an avenger in all these offenses. What offenses is Paul talking about? Sexual immorality, right? He's an avenger in all these offenses. As, as we previously told you, right? I was with you for three weeks and I told you about all of this stuff and warned you. Verse 7, for God has not called us to impurity. He hasn't called us to give ourselves to things that harm us, harm other people and offend him, but to live in holiness, to live separate from these sorts of things, right? First Thessalonians 5, God did not appoint us to inherit wrath, but to obtain salvation. So live according to that thing. Verse 8, consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And why does God give the Spirit? So we're empowered to walk in our calling, right? Like it's just Paul's just... Hammering the same point over and over and over and over, okay? So to walk according to our calling. Does that make sense, okay? There's no drunkenness in the age to come. So don't get drunk now. Walk according to your calling, right? There's no gluttony in the age to come. So don't engage in gluttony now. Walk according to your calling. There's no dishonesty in the age to come. So don't lie now. Walk according to your calling. Be honest now in all your dealings. There's no hatred in the age to come. So don't walk in in bitterness and anger and and unforgiveness now. Walk according to your calling. Walk according to your destiny, right? Your destiny is holiness. 
Your, your future is righteousness. What you will inherit on that day is, is good and pure living. And so now Paul prays by the Spirit. Let's walk in it now. Right? Let's practice now for how things will be then. Right? How you relate to God now is how you're going to relate to him on that day. And into the ages. So by the Spirit, we're going to walk accordingly now. And so if, if you're hearing, you know, Paul's list of things to not do, right? Like you read first, you read his letters, you're like, oh, okay. All this stuff. And you're hearing this, you're thinking, I do all of those things, right? Hatred, drunkenness, gluttony, all, all, all the stuff. And you're like, if this is true, if what uh, these, this book says, what Josh is saying, if this stuff is true, and what Paul's saying is true, I will not inherit eternal life. If you're putting that together this morning, good job. You're correct. You absolutely will not inherit eternal life because that age is a home, 2 Peter 3, an age, a home where righteousness dwells. And if you're walking in unrighteousness, you cannot, will not inherit it except for the grace of God through the Son. Right? And so God so loved the world in this way that he gave his only Son that everyone who trusts in him Right, assuming his his cross for the forgiveness of sins, everyone who trusts in him will not perish, will not get what they deserve, but will inherit eternal life. Will live forever simply by turning from sin, which is hard, which is why we have churches and we get together and we say, Hey, we can do this by the Spirit, we can turn from sin, we put our trust in the cross, our sins are forgiven, and we'll actually live forever. So if you're hearing this as bad news, it is bad news, but good news is spoken into it in the gospel. Christ died for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age into the age to come. And so if you're hearing all this stuff, you're like, man, I want to inherit eternal life. I'm not on the path that leads to life. I'm giving myself to anything that Paul just said here. And you want to? Like, I'd rather inherit eternal life than a lake of fire. Talk to a member of our church. So if I have members of Christian Life Church, can you just raise your hand if you're a member of CLC? Talk to these people. Ask them, hey, I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to inherit eternal life. What's that look like? Talk to them. You can talk to me or any of our other elders. But please don't leave here today not putting your trust in the cross. Okay? And the members of our church will tell you, yeah, we believe Romans 3. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God, including me. And the only difference between me and you is my trust is in the cross for eternal life and not in anything that I've done. Okay. So... Quick recap. Paul and his crew go to Thessalonica. All right. They preach the gospel that there's a glorious future. Okay. Coming that without sin and death. And Jew and Gentile alike can inherit that through the cross. It's confirmed by the power of the Spirit. Jews are believing this message. Gentiles are believing this message. Paul has to leave after three weeks due to persecution. Uh, Paul hears about these false teachers that we later become the Gnostics who are teaching and they're writing letters and signing them as Paul. You talk about wicked, right? Just Right, fake letters from Paul that are saying, hey guys, I know Paul said that the day of the Lord's coming, the day of judgment's coming, the resurrection's coming. They're writing letters that say, actually, the day of the Lord has already happened. Okay, and so people are hearing this. They're like, well, Paul said this, but this letter says this. And so uh, they're troubled. So Paul writes, First and Second Thessalonians, to reinforce the nearness of Jesus' return and their being gathered to him at the resurrection and all the angels and judgment and fire stuff. That's what First and Second Thessalonians. 
Thessalonians are is refuting the guys who say this isn't coming. And so what's the proper response to the message of the nearness of the Lord's coming? What should we do in light of it? Well, one that we know, not specifically spelled out here, is to repent and put your trust in the cross before the day. But Paul hones in on something here and says, look, if this message is true that I'm preaching, not that these false guys are teaching and writing fake letters. If what I'm preaching is true, the response from you guys is good works. It's to get to work. It's to to, to live how we've told you to live, which is the next subject of the prayer. Okay, knowledge about the future, knowledge about what's coming energizes us to do good works. Okay. So if the message about the return of Jesus makes you get in a bunker and not engage in the world, you're totally responding the opposite of how the apostles instruct us. Okay, it's to cause you to good work. So listen to how he prays in view of all this. We pray for you that God will make you worthy of his calling. Walk now how you walk then and by his power, fulfill your every desire to do good. And your work produced by faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified by you. And this is a fun one. And you be glorified by him. That's cool. You don't think about that one a lot. And then in chapter 2, 16 and 17, he kind of prays the same thing. He says, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope. Right. By grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in what? Every good work and word, right? So he's got a church who's believing the message about the coming day. And they have energy to do good works, to, to love one another, love their neighbor as themselves, all the bit. And so Paul prays, verse 11, for the power of God to come on them so that they can fulfill their every desire to do good. And, and that uh, their hearts would be strengthened in every good work and word. And that as their hearts are strengthened, they glorify Jesus. And then on the day, Jesus glorifies them. It's a really cool way uh, to think about it, right? And, and if you've ever felt this, right? I think, I think every believer and, 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 uh, has felt this. You have a desire to do good, right? You see uh, in your own home, church, community, whatever. You have a desire to do good. Uh, and there's just not enough gas in you to do it. Yeah. Stony, is this, you feeling this? Yep. You got a desire to do good and there's just, there's not enough in the tank to do it. Paul's praying that there would be enough gas in the tank from the Lord. Like you have a desire to do good, good work, a good word. So Paul prays, God, by your grace and your encouragement, fill them with power so they can fulfill every desire that they have for good. It's a really uh, awesome way to think about it. Okay, so just an example. Michelle, you believe the message about the cross before the day, right? She she believes that she desires to do good. And so it's the job, it's the the role, it's the joy of a praying church to pray this kind of thing and pray that by God's power, every desire of hers to do good, okay, whether that's with the food pantry or whatever else, is fulfilled so that the name of our Lord Jesus is glorified by her and Jesus glorified her. Practical, right? Easy. Karen's not here today. Let's pray for Karen real quick. She's got weird stuff going on in the hospital. Let's pray for her, actually. Um, Lord, we ask you um, to stretch out your hand and touch Karen's body this morning um, and heal her completely. 
um, whatever's going on there. Um, we ask that that sickness would be driven out um, at the name and the power of Jesus. It would bow its knee um, and she would be restored completely. Pray Psalm 34 that we read this morning that those who fear you have no lack. So give her everything she needs this morning in Jesus name. In Jesus name. Okay, so so same thing, Karen. Right? We'll, we'll use Karen as an example. Karen desires to do good. Okay, if you know Karen, like this is this is her deal. And so it's the job of a praying church, the joy of a praying church, to pray that by God's power, every desire of hers to do good, whether that's taking care of her elderly neighbor or whatever else, is fulfilled. So that by the name of our Lord Jesus, or so that Jesus is glorified and, and that she is glorified. Uh, Kale, where's Kale? I was thinking about Kale this week. Kale. Kale's the oldest kid in our uh, student ministry, and he's really nice to the younger kids, which is good. That's mark of maturity, man. Some older kids are just like, I don't care about you if you're in sixth grade, and Kale doesn't do that. Kale engages with them and, and, and um, is kind to them and throws the ball at them really hard. Okay? Uh, but, but it's the job of a praying church that if Kale desires to do good, he has a desire to do good because he's believing the message about the cross before the day, we pray by God's power that every desire of his to do good, okay? Whether that's meeting with an underclassman to, to work through the, the gospel or whatever, just to help mom and dad out at home, whatever that desire to do good is, that it's fulfilled. So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified by him and Jesus glorify him. We prayed for living hope this morning. They have a desire to do good, right? And so we pray, God, put gas in their tank so they can fulfill that desire and walk. Ephesians 1, the the good works that have been prepared and planned beforehand. It requires, my point is it requires prayer. Like they've got a desire to do good. There might not be enough gas there, so apostles pray and ask, God, fulfill all these desires that they have to do good by your power, by your spirit. So if this is how they pray, this is how how we want to pray. It's a good prayer. Everything they want to do, Lord, give them power to do it, right? And so uh, this is what we want to give ourselves to not just praying for, but to actually doing good works, okay? Those who believe the message about the soon return of Jesus give themselves to getting tired. Okay, I, I maybe this will change after a couple more kids, but at this moment, I'm not worried about uh, burnout. I'm, I'm more worried about rust out. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I, I want to be at the end of my life. I want to be tired from running for Jesus. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to just rust out. If I get, if I get, ti- we're all going to get tired, right? Like everyone you talk to, they're either busy or tired, right? We're all going to get tired. Let's get tired doing this, doing what God has has called us run in such a way as to obtain the prize. And if you've ever run in such a way to obtain the prize, the end, you're tired, right? You're like, oh, that was that was hard, but you got the prize. Okay, so the people who um, believe that the false gospel, so Second Thessalonians two two, by a message or a letter supposedly from us, alleging that the day of the Lord has come, they're the ones who aren't working hard, right? Because why should you diligently press on if you've already received the prize, right? Resurrection's already happened. The day of the Lord's already happened. I guess I'll just sit on my bum. So Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians, has to deal with idleness and people not giving themselves to doing good. So uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3 says, We command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus, to keep away from every brother. It's 
harsh. Keep away from every brother or sister who is idle and does not live according to the tradition you receive from us. And what tradition did they receive? The cross before the day and the Spirit's power to walk it out in the meantime, to walk worthy of their calling. For you yourselves know how you should imitate us. And so how are the apostles, the ones handing down the Jesus tradition, how do they live? He says, we were not idle among you. Instead, we labored and toiled working night and day. We did it to make ourselves an example to you so that you would imitate us, right? We're preaching the message of Jesus and we're working really hard so that you guys can see how to live in light of his return. Verse 11, for we hear that there are some among you who are idle. They are not busy, but busy bodies, which is just like a that's a cutting remark. Okay, they're not busy. They're busy bodies. Now we command and we exhort such people by the Lord Jesus to work quietly and provide for themselves. But as for you, brothers and sisters, you guys don't grow weary in doing good. Right. Which flows from the prayer, because I'm praying that you would have uh, uh, you have desire to do good and it would be. Fulfilled. So the point here is that the the message of the gospel, the cross before the day, uh, should keep you off of the couch. Okay, we'll do like a Sabbath rest message some other time. But First Thessalonians, he's like, hey, don't be idle. Give yourself to good works. There's work that needs done. Okay, and and it's the kind of work from verse twelve that glorifies the name of our Lord Jesus. Right. This is. I'll be done. Robert, you can hold this, please. This is what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Let your light so shine before men so that they might see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father in the heavens. And and he glorify you on that day. There's a light to shine before men. There are good works planned for us to do. And if the message of First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians is true, and I think it is, um, let's do them. And let's pray for one another, like Paul prayed, that we'd be able to walk according to our calling. Because that's like, that's the hard one. That's the one we press the most from our, from our pulpit and our classes and our relationships. We press that one. That we walk worthy according to what we've been called to. We, we stay on the narrow path that leads to life. And that you'd be able to fulfill every desire you have to do good. Okay? Because as a human being, you, you don't have the gas. Okay? You need help. You need divine aid. To, I mean, uh, we got a lot of uh, young parents in here. You guys need the Holy Spirit to do that. Okay? It's our job to pray for you. They have a desire to do good, to, to raise these kids in the knowledge and admonition of the Lord. So God, fulfill that desire. Send the Spirit. Give them a good encouragement and good hope. Okay? And everyone, you know, different station of life, your good works are going to look different than, you know what I mean? Joe's, yours looks different than it did 50 years ago. Your good works, whatever you got to do, whatever that is, we're going to pray. God, fulfill every desire of Joe's to, to um, do good. Okay? So whatever the good work is, whether you're a young mom or an old man or a junior high student, whatever the good work is, Paul's point and the, the, um, the thrust of the prayer is that being idle is not an option for the disciple of Jesus. Okay? People can say all kinds of things about um, the church. Uh, let's not lazy, let lazy be one of them. Okay? We think they're crazy. 
Like a guy died, rose again, floated up on a cloud into the heavens. He's coming back down on a cloud from the heavens. We think they're crazy. But they work. <laughs> they give themselves to what their teacher taught. So with all that said, let's read the prayer one more time um, and pray and uh, we'll come to the Lord's table. So in view of this, the day of the Lord, we always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling and by his power fulfill every desire to do good and your work produced by faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him, according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. Amen. Amen. So before we... Um, Come to the table. Um, just sit with that for a second. Ask the Lord. Um, God, where am I not walking worthy of what I've been called to? Where am I not walking according to my destiny? And then ask what good works um, are in front of me. And then ask for um, uh, those desires to do good would be would be fulfilled. And then we'll. Give instruction for the table. Okay.